Hi, it's Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Ska Boom Stories, which is the audio companion to my new book, Ska Boom, an American Ska and Reggae Oral History, now available from DeWolf Publishing. In 400-plus pages across 19 chapters, I've attempted to knit together the origin stories of 18 key American ska and reggae bands and one important coast-to-coast tour in 1993 to help tell the important and often overlooked story of American ska and reggae from the mid-70s through the early 90s. The goal of the podcast is to share a behind-the-scenes look at what readers can expect from the book plus tell more important stories that didn't make it into the book. There are a number of bands I wanted to include in the book, but for a variety of reasons I wasn't able to include all of them. But over the next few episodes of the podcast, I plan to devote some time to these bands who also deserve your attention. Specials released their first single, Gangsters, in May 1979, and it is considered the spark that lit the ska-punk flame that still burns to this day. Though the specials get the lion's share of the credit for being the band that popularized the two-tone take on punk and reggae, the other one, which you've probably never heard of, is The Offs, whose cover of Johnny Too Bad by The Slickers is the intro music for this episode. Formed in 1978, the Offs were started by guitarist Billy Hawk and singer Don Vinyl, and were later joined by former hot tuna drummer Bob Steeler and a rotation of horn players, including at one point the musician-actor Richard Edson, who played trumpet in the band. Richard who, you might be asking? Wrong. What? Not here. We're not leaving the car here. Why not? Because we're not. I want the car back home where it belongs, right now. Come on, let's go. Cameron, what's going to happen to it? It's in a garage. It could get wrecked, stolen, scratched, breathed on wrong. A pigeon could shit on it. Who knows? Listen, will you calm down, please? I'm going to give the guy a fiver to watch it. Look at it. Hey, how you doing? You speak English? Uh, what country do you think this is? Okay, listen, uh, I want you to take extra special care of this vehicle, okay? Hey, no problem. Great. Trust me. Yes, that Richard Edson, who appeared in a slew of 80s movies, including Stranger Than Paradise, Desperately Seeking Susan, Platoon, Eight Men Out, and Do the Right Thing, among others. I always remember him from his memorable role as the garage attendant in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, who takes Cameron's father's red sports car for a crazy joyride around Chicago. According to a post about the offs from the Bedford and Bowery blog in 2013, their original bassist, Denny DeGorio, 
shared how the band was formed in San Francisco. Don Vinyl and I were roommates in this flat on mission, along with Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys and guys from Flipper and the Dills. It was a real punk rock flophouse. Vinyl had been singing in a band called Grand Mall with Hawk. When it fell apart, they formed the Offs and asked DeGorio to play bass. It was perfect timing, DeGorio said. I was 19 and just jumped on board. After releasing Johnny Too Bad in 1978 as a single, the Offs released a follow-up, Everyone's a Bigot, which was much more representative of what would become their unique post-punky, no-wave, ska-meets-reggae sound. The single is also notable for being the first ever released on San Francisco's 415 Records. Give Everyone's a Bigot a listen. Everyone's a bigot! 
Vinyl was the first openly gay frontman on the punk scene, and according to the Bedford and Bowery blog, was a fearless performer, provocative, theatrical, and completely comfortable in his own skin. Commenting on the song in the Search and Destroy fanzine in 1979, Vinyl was quoted as saying, On TV, they always have the stereotype of a white person being a bigot, but nobody's perfect. Heterosexuals, a lot of them hate gays, but at the same time, some gay people hate heterosexuals. What difference does it make if you're gay or straight? By 1980, the offs splitting time between an apartment on Prince Street in Manhattan while maintaining their home base in San Francisco, where they opened for the specials in February of that year at the Warfield Theater. The offs also opened a show for Linton Kwesi Johnson in Berkeley. I would have loved to have seen either of those shows. The offs were quickly embraced by the downtown underground Manhattan music and art scene and regularly performed at the Mud Club, Danceteria, and Max's Kansas City. Peter Crowley, who was the musical director of Max's, also worked with the offs, and he shared his impressions of them with me when I interviewed him for the Max's Kansas City liner notes. Crowley told me, I liked those singles, but they were terminal lo-fi records. When the band got to New York, they called me up and asked if they could have a date to play at Max's, and I said, sure, absolutely. And when they played, it was a revelation to me, because live, they were this fabulous reggae rhythm and blues band that could really play, and it sounded good. But after a series of rough singles, I felt they needed to be recorded in high fidelity, so I took them to Skyline Studio, where Paul Wycliffe captured them live in the studio. And I said, I don't have a lot of money to offer you, but here's the deal. We'll record four songs. I'll take two of them, you take two of them. And I'll put out my two under Max's label, and you put your two out on your own label. So they said, okay, that's a deal. And I said, we'll pay for all the costs of the recording. So they said, fine, that sounded like a reasonable deal. Crowley released the band's straight R&B single, You Fascinate Me, backed with the punk ska of my world. The single made waves with the various punk magazines who took Crowley to task for overproducing the songs. Crowley told me, What I did was record the band live in the studio in high fidelity. There are no overdubs. There are no gimmicks. There's no nothing. It's just that's the way they sound when they're on stage. I mean, if you went to see them, that's what you would hear. But it was the high fidelity that punks didn't like, said Crowley. Give my world released in 1980 on Max's Kansas City label, a listen. Watch. 
Notable fans and friends of the band included artist Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, as well as Glenn O'Brien, who chronicled the downtown scene for Andy Warhol's interview magazine. Warhol himself was also a fan of the Offs. One of the most interesting stories about the Offs was their relationship with Basquiat, who was a music fanatic and wannabe drummer. According to a story in the Artnet Gallery Network, in 2019, before Basquiat had superstardom as a visual artist, he often needed cash, fast. Sometimes the two worlds of art and music collided, like the time in 1981 when the young Basquiat agreed to design an album sleeve for his friends in the offs in exchange for $400, which his mother needed to pay her rent. The offs record, titled First Record, which features Basquiat's design, is a lost American ska punk classic, which features a unique alchemy of punk, ska, funk, soul, and reggae, which was years ahead of its time. The horn section on the album, which was anchored by Richard Edson, is great, and Don Vinyl singing is mesmerizing. The tracks You Fascinate Me and One More Shot should have been dance hits, and I've Got the Handle is an inspired cover of the Jamaican Rude Boy classic. Give I've Got the Handle a listen.
Basquiat's design for the Off's one and only album included some of the earliest examples of design motifs that would come to define his work. A cartoon-like black-and-white totemic figure standing atop a triangular mound with a crown of thorns hovering above his head. The Off's name appears written in Basquiat's signature scrawl in three spots. Just as first record was being prepared for release by San Francisco-based record label CD Presents, Don Vinyl overdosed on heroin in New York City prior to the album's release in 1984. And the Off's were no more. Meanwhile, Basquiat shot to fame that would outlast his short life. He died in 1988, aged 27. Today, original copies of First Record sell for thousands of dollars, and the original artwork for the cover sold at Sotheby's for $300,000 in 2011. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Skaboom Stories. The book is now available from DeWolf Publishing at DeWolf.com. That's D-I-W-U-L-F.com. Thanks for listening, and take care.